0: This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the f*** out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage, we're wearing leather, we being slapped around a little bit and, oh. God. <clears throat> I'm Sonny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex.
1: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sunny Megatron.
0: Ken and I are so excited about this episode. Listeners, you are going to love it too. We just recorded the most informative interview with kink, polyamorous, and LGBTQ and sex worker friendly marriage and family therapist, Kate Laurie. So we start off the interview with some super practical advice for outside the bedroom. Advice that anyone can use about how to deal with family, especially over the upcoming holidays. And this is family that you specifically have opposing political views with. We touch on finding a therapist well-versed in alternative sexuality and relationship models. We learn what corrective experiences are and oh my God, they are so damn important. You're going to love this. And we tell you why you should be seeking them out. We talk about how to tell your partner you want to try something a little or a lot kinky, what to do if you and your partner have mismatched libido, why we tend to eroticize our fears when it comes to sexual fantasies. We also get to the bottom of sex addiction and a whole lot more. So you're going to love it. But before we get there, do you know what it's time for, Ken?
1: Sex toy spotlight. Here it is. Yeah.
0: Are you pre-jingling my jingle again?
1: It's a common problem in men my age.
0: <laughs> Are you going to just pre-jingle all over the place? Yep. And now we're not really going to enjoy the real jingle? Well, not as much. Or we'll have to enjoy it alone in the corner of the bed, <laughs> sitting in the wet spot you made way too early? Yep. Okay, here. Enjoy this, friends. <laughs> Sex Toy Spotlight, here it is, go. Yeah. This week in our sex toy spotlights, glass. We're highlighting harness glass insertables.
1: So before Sunny and I started dating, she was a collector of glass dildos. And this is something that was actually a huge turn on for me when you first started to get to know me. I was really impressed that you collected anything. And like I was, you know, because a lot of people,
0: well, well, Army people. men sold, plastic army men soldiers, little spoons from every state. That would like, have been hot. But really? you
1: chose glass dildos. Okay. <laughs> it could have been pennies. It could have been stamps.
0: Oh. And then I could
1: do like... But that's what was hot about it. You collected glass dildos. That's fucking cool.
0: Because I wouldn't put stamps in my vag or my ass.
1: Right. And I collect Aquaman. Without... <laughs> I do, you to... fuck your...
0: do you put Aquaman in your ass? Is he Aquaman?
1: I'm going to bleed the fifth on that one. What kind of... Aqu... Which of my Aquaman are you talking about?
0: I don't know. You have so many. You have, <laughs> you have the plush Aquaman. You have the giant erect a statue aquaman would you put that in your ass ken
1: no that would hurt it definitely has a base but <laughs> there's not <laughs> enough lube loo- that thing's pointy
0: yeah that trident it, it's sort of unsafe yeah yeah okay so glass dildos yes and I'm, I'm glad you were impressed because i wasn't even really a perf then but and when i'm talking glass dildos listeners i'm not talking like delicate glass made of your grandma's fine china i'm talking thick sturdy Pyrex glass that can withstand a pounding. (laughs) Pounding, get it? No, it's not a funny joke. And I like them because first of all, they're heavy. They are, they feel great. Like the heaviness and the slickness of the glass. You can put them in the refrigerator and make them cold. You can put them in a bowl of hot water and make them warm. They are a material like none other. And the ones with that special curve, they're so great for G-spot play. And we actually have one sitting in front of us right here. This is the harness glass double treat dildo and it's not a double treat because it's double ended it's a double treat because it oops i just (laughs) banged it on my microphone my microphone's like give me that give me some of that dick (laughs) some of that glass dick it's got two (laughs) (laughs) it's got two really pronounced ridges right where the g-spot spot spot needs to like it's mm, I'm losing my words because I'm thinking about glass dicks and G-spots, but I, I would just about do anything for glass dick.
1: <laughs> so if anybody out there is listening and Sonny needs extra work, remember, you can pay her in glass dicks.
0: Oh, God, I would love that. Pay me in glass dicks. I would, I would, I don't know, be a gravedigger for glass dicks, right? What,
1: what would you do for the glass dick? What would
0: I do for the glass dick? Are you ready? <clears throat> I'd do something drastic for the glass dick. I'd be Jurassic <laughs> the glass dick. No. I'd let you wrap me up in plastic for the glass dick. Like episode three of Sex with Sunny Megatron, the plastic wrap suspension. That was really
1: hot. What would you let me do to your ass for the glass dick? I would let you <laughs>
0: fuck me in the ass with the glass dick. I would do my Kegels for the glass dick. I would act very regal for the glass dick. <laughs> Do my giggle squeeze now, the pelvic floor. No. I would let you top me for the glass dick. No, I won't. But can I beg you for, with the glass dick? No. <laughs> Come on. Don't make me beg you for the glass dick. <laughs> uh,
1: no. <laughs> no, actually, you, re- you
0: really think I want a glass dick. And- glass sticks are nothing. Look at me being all sarcastic for the glass dick no your face oh i wish this was video i wish this was video um hey listeners you want 20 percent off of a glass dick (laughs) (laughs) well type in sunny at dot com when you check out with that glass dick okay this is this is horrible i'm not a rapper
1: okay but we're using this this is good yeah it's incredible
0: i'm glad there was no music because i have absolutely no rhythm
1: well, you can add that in later. No, there's no, there's no beat that could ever match. <laughs> just like a Wesley Willis style Casio keyboard thing.
0: No. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, this whole point is harness glass from Castle Megastore is amazing. And it's not only amazing because it's glass, it's called harness glass because you can put it in a strap on harness and fuck other people with it, which is why I was like, would you let me peg you for the glass stick? And you were like, no way. And you just ruined my, my rhyme.
1: And you would ruin my anal fissures. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ruin your
0: happy butt time. See?
1: I'm still rhyming. With the glass stick. With the glass <laughs> stick. Yes. <laughs>
0: But go honestly, check out castlemegastore.com. Go ahead and type in harness glass in the search bar. And there are, I don't know, they must have at least like 20 different types of harness compatible glass dildos. And again, if you use code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y at checkout, you're going to get 20% off those or pretty much anything in your entire order. And I want to remind you too, don't forget our October giveaway. We've teamed up with Castle Mega Store to give away one Wonder 01 to a lucky listener. That's $125 value. There's no purchase necessary. Just go to SunnyMegatron.com backslash wand giveaway and fill in our little stuff in the contest widget to enter and boom, we will announce the winner live on Facebook Live and on Periscope on November 1st. So get in your entries and
1: Castle Megastore is giving away an Angela White Fleshlight and a signed copy of the adult film Angela Loves Women 3, signed by both Angela White and Abella Danger. Ooh. That giveaway has been extended and runs through the end of the month. You can find the online giveaway form on castlemegastore.com or see the link to both giveaways in our show notes. Good luck, friends! And there's a couple
0: more things, couple more things before we get to our interview that are going on this month. First, I'm teaching a BDSM class on October eighteenth at the Discovery Center in Chicago from 6 to 9 PM. Normally this is a class that Ken teaches, but I'm I'm taking over for one special night. You get me. So if you want to check that out, go to bit.ly. That's B as and boy I t dot L Y backslash BDSM class Sunny. Or see the link in our show notes so you can join me. And secondly, this is the last thing. I have been nominated as one of the top sex blockers of 2017 by Kinkly.com. So if you enjoy my work, please, can you go give me a vote? It only takes one click. You don't have to sign up for anything. Go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, backslash Vote Sunny to cast your vote.
1: I'm super excited about this episode.
0: I am very much excited about this. This is one
1: of the best interviews, I think, that we've done in a very long time, and it's with somebody who's super fascinating. So, you know, in addition to the stuff you've already said, I'm just really looking forward to it.
0: Mm -hmm, Me too. Now, listeners, as we go into our interview, I want to give you just a quick heads up. At the start of our conversation, the discussion gets just a little bit heavy. We talk about suicidal ideation in relation to the current political climate, or as Kate calls it, the, quote, orange depression. We also briefly mentioned sexual abuse and talk about rape fantasies. So as always, listeners, your well-being is important to us. So if any of those topics aren't really your cup of tea right now, this episode isn't going anywhere. You can come back to it another time. It's cool. We understand. So now let's get to Kate Lurie. With us today, we have Kate Laurie, LMFT. She's a sex-positive, licensed marriage and family therapist with a specialty in kink, non-monogamous, LGBTQ, and sex worker communities. In addition to her masters in marriage and family therapy, she is also a registered art therapist, ATR, and has a second masters in business administration, an MBA. She's been practicing psychotherapy for 14 years and has an ad- has additional training in EMDR and the Trauma Resiliency Model TRM for the treatment of trauma including sexual physical, and emotional abuse. She's been featured in BuzzFeed videos, has frequently been a guest on Playboy Radio and the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Love her, by the way. And Love has her. written, yes, oh, she's amazing, and has written for Good Vibrations and Hollywood Magazine. She's currently writing her first book. Now, privately, she's been connected to Polly, Swing, and Kink Community since 2003 and understands the hurdles, massive emotional growth, and amazing joys these words can provide. Her private practice resides in Encino, California, and you can find her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Kate Lurie, that's K-A-T-E-L-O-R-E-E, and at her website, which is com. Kate, one, I'm so happy you're here with me, and two, I'm really happy I got through your intro without messing it up.
1: I was just going to say, this is the first and only time Sunny has made it 100% all the way through an intro. And like (laughs) not goofed something. That's awesome. Congratulations, sweetheart. That's a that's a milestone.
2: Yay! Yay! And And the crowd cheers. Yeah, and I and I love you too, and I love both of you guys. And um, thank you so much for asking me to come on.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, we have had, we just, as you probably know, we just started this podcast. We're we're just hitting the double digits in in our episode numbers. And we had a long list of people in no particular order that were like, we have to have them on as guests. And of course you were on there. And we ran across something on social media that made us go like, oh yeah, yeah, we have to get Kate stat to talk about this and a bunch of other things because you're absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you. It was a comment that we saw you had made on social media that as someone in the mental health field you were seeing an uptick of people negatively affected by the Trump administration and that there is depression suicides family members of depressed individuals have been concerned about these things and yeah, you know, we're also hearing that as being sexuality educators in general and also on our podcast here on American Sex, you know, we cover sexuality, identity, sexual freedoms in America and we're hearing this from our guests a lot. Like we'll start out this is our subject, nothing to do with politics and then as we get to talking about things, a few of our guests have gotten really raw and real about how what's going on politically right now in the United States is really eating at them you know anyone who doesn't fall into the christian cis hetero white norm in any kind of way is feeling it so can we start there kate can you tell us about some of what you've been seeing along these lines in your practice with people
2: yeah well before i launch into that i just want to preface it by by saying um just addressing something that a lot of people bring in when they talk to me they assume that because I serve non-monogamous people, kink people, uh, porn stars, high-end escorts, LGBTQ, that they'll make a kind of bigoted assumption that my clients are lower functioning than the masses. And that's not true. In fact, in a lot of ways, they're higher functioning. They have a tendency to be more out-of-the-box thinkers, more creative, more adventurous, um, you know, warmer than uh, what I see at a general uh party. Uh, you know, in, in other crowds sometimes. So, so I want to start there, um, because I think that's belittling and it's invalidating when you come in saying, oh, well, they're more effective because they're already more unstable. I, I think that's a very bigoted place to, to start. So I just wanted to say that. And I, I will say that, yeah, I've seen an uptick in suicidality, um, you know, just in some of the communities I serve, but also in, um, the creative community, which is, which I also keep track of. Uh, recently, we just lost uh, George Escalante, who, by all accounts, looks like he had the ideal life. He he was the biggest leader in um, supporting uh, any counterculture artists in L.A., and they loved him and they kind of regarded him as a father figure, not just somebody who made them as artists. And he had a seemingly perfect life, you know, just a, a you know house by the beach, the works. And he just took life last month, so. It just goes to show you that you know like if if you struggle with depression, even if you have the best life, like Robin Williams, it can drive you over the edge and so basically what i've seen you know and I, I've named it i've named it the Orange Depression as soon as forty five got elected, there was you know an uptick in uh depression and overwhelm, and some for people that for maybe decades had successively struggled with, you know, depression or whatever it is that they contended with. It was just, it's just enough that it's pushed a couple of people over the edge to a completed suicide. And so I've been talking to uh, a lot of my clients and, and friends about, you know, taking extra self care in various ways, but also what they need to do um, regarding friends that might be suicidal.
1: So I had sort of my, own sort of assumptions, and and, and this might even be bigotry to a certain extent, do you have any clients that are on the right-wing end of the spectrum that are being affected by this in ways that nobody expected, like somebody who may be a republican but who is not a trump supporter
2: because i'm so out of the closet as a psychotherapist i tend not to get that demographic
1: well that's what i assumed but i just that was my own prejudices kind of walking into this and i just you know and i thought to myself you know what you never know there may be somebody who for their own very valid reasons is on that end of the spectrum and sought out your help with this exact issue but it i guess it's not surprising
2: my demographic tends to be let's just say more more liberal more likely to be Democrats, um, very, very few religious people, like people who say I am religious. Usually I, I get more people that are spiritual, um, or even atheists, rather than people that identify as religious.
0: I've also been seeing in terms of people in relationships, this is a time where people are becoming more, you know, quote, unquote, woke than they ever have been before. And there are situations that I've observed in my social circle where let's say it's a partnership amongst two people, just as, you know, as an example. One partner is getting real woke and opening their eyes to things and becoming more involved in social justice and the other one isn't. Or maybe they're both generally on the same side politically but they're having a a Hillary versus Bernie fight within their relationship so this is really causing rifts within existing relationships how would you advise people to tackle that when suddenly their politics and their social justice is creating a rift in their relationship
2: yeah i mean for for me i, I just have to say usually the way i see that playing out is my clients coming in trying to figure out how to deal with their their family, their you know over the holidays, that kind of thing, less so with their relationship, usually in their relationship, they're dating somebody that's a little bit more likey likey you know to their philosophies right um but a lot of people are dealing with going back home and dealing with a family member or or a whole family that is are trump supporters, and that is on top of whatever else they deal with with their family like. Maybe they've recently come out to their family as LGBT, you know, as, as um, transgender or gay, or maybe they just came to their family and said, "Look, um, you know, Dad sexually molested me," and the whole family's turning on them and saying they're a liar. Right. You know, and then on top of all that, they're dealing with a family discussion uh, where where they're talking about social justice issues. Uh, you know, they're talking about things like LGBT issues, things that are going on in the military for transgender people, things like that. And it almost feels like uh the family's actually talking about them because they usually do have personal issues that are similar to what the family is talking about. And in in that case, I, I talk to my clients about, you know, just how close do you want to get. I mean, one thing I talk to them is just because um family is blood, uh being blood does not give you a hall pass to be abusive. You know? Right. So, um and sometimes your family Like the people that truly have your back when you're in the hospital or you're down is not your blood. And I really ask them to step back and think about that and Mm -hmm. make the choices about who your family is and not just base it just on blood. And if you do have family members that are disrespecting you in that way, you might need to step back and and ask yourself, do you want to talk to them as often as you are? Or maybe you decide to spend the holidays with friends instead of them or... Um, and and then as far as confronting them, you have to ask yourself, where is my emotional gas tank today? You know, yeah, they, because if your emotional gas tank is 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 lower on empty, then when you confront someone who, um, you know, is diametrically opposed to your views, um, and then it can really kick you into a place where sometimes you can uh, get out of what is called your therapeutic window um, and get what's called Stuck on high or stuck on low. Stuck on high is like, you know, like uh, screaming and that kind of thing. And if you lose it with family and you start screaming at them, then all of a sudden they say, well, see, she always was X, Y and Z. You know, you end up losing that credibility and then you end up and which, you know, at the end of the day ends up making you feel worse. A lot of times it can make a person that actually had a really valid point and was completely in the right into a shame spiral because it's family that's shaming them mm-hmm. so you have to To I, I just advise people like if, if you're starting to feel like you're outside of your window of tolerance go to the bathroom do some deep breathing remember that you're not a kid you can get in your rental car and go take a break you know you don't need to feel stuck with someone who's toxic
0: yeah yeah it's it's rough especially now you know it, it just dawned on me I'm like oh shit the holidays are coming up yeah Thanksgiving and Christmas are just around the damn corner. Right. You know, and I I've, I've seen a lot of people saying, okay, family, I love you. You're my family. We can no longer be friends on Facebook. We can no longer, you know, is is there a point where you just agree to, you know, we're not talking about this stuff and if we do, I'm going to separate myself from the situation. Is that a good way to handle some of this?
2: Um, you can try but a lot of family, they're Trump supporters, a lot of times they might violate those boundaries and you have to be ready for that. All you can do is control yourself. You can't control them Yes, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of times adults can have tantrums too right i mean dan savage talks about that he talks about when you come out to family your your parents oftentimes throw a tantrum thinking that it'll go away if they have a big enough tantrum right and he talks about wading through that and that people sometimes come around and all of a sudden accept you so you know some family members will do that but you have to um just realize that it might get worse before it gets better so and you have to decide um so if you do set a boundary you just it's important to be prepared to stick with it you know so if, if you say if you keep on bringing this stuff up i'm gonna you know whatever the consequence is, um you might want to make it a softer consequence like uh i'm just not going to talk to you for the next week and then we can give it a go in a week You know, rather than something huge, like I am never going to talk to you again or something like that, that you might not be able to keep to.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to not be reactionary with a lot of the extreme circumstances that are surrounding this. What's different about 45 in this administration that's different about other administrations in the past that's causing so much drama, so many issues, uh so many bad things to occur and be felt on so many different levels.
2: Well I, I think there is a rapid fire approach of destabilization. Now it's it's you know, um I'm a therapist. I have to really pull myself back because I could really go into mentioning and I'm gonna mention it anyway, uh a movie called hypernormalization or look at what happened in Russian in Russia with Putin or in Syria and you see how these dictators or or these leaders uh, destabilized and then took over their country and basically did what you might call a mass hypnosis of a populace. If you are going to destabilize an individual, if you do enough rapid fire trauma, and get them to go into part of their sympathetic nervous system, which is a freeze state, then they can't fight back, right? They're just kind of destabilized. So you can do the same thing kind of to the masses where you just rapid fire them with things that are upsetting to them. And if they're always watching the news and always getting caught up in it, they can get to a point where they just want to isolate. And I do hear that from my clients where they're like, I just, I'm just going to stay in my house this weekend. You know, it's like when you get a person to that point, then you you can control them. So it's really important as individuals and as a culture and certainly any social action, you know, social justice group to be doing a lot of self-care. Do your yoga. Turn off the TV if it's starting to overwhelm you. Take breaks. Track your body. Make sure that you're Zen in your body and calm most of the time. Because when you start noticing you're anxious all the time and that your heart is beating, you're not sleeping well. You know, that those are all symptoms that you're in your sympathetic nervous system. Right. That's where the fight flight freezes and you need to do some self care to calm yourself. Right, right.
1: Actually she ar- she already answered the next question I was going to ask, and that would be what are what can we do to sort of have approach this from a preventive medicine point of view? But like I think you just address that directly. Uh, so you're mm-hmm. so you're also a psychic as well as a psychologist. Um, <laughs> a,
0: a psychicologist.
1: A psychicologist. Is
0: that a thing? That needs to be a thing. <laughs> We saw that you were at Slut Walk, and we saw all the awesome pictures, and we have one here in Chicago, Mm -hmm. but yours looks a lot more fun than ours, and bigger and more promoted, and we just kind of get shoved in a corner here in Chicago, and the police, like, look at us.
1: Also, they had arrests at our Slut Walk this year, and that's one of the things. Do you guys ever encounter any sort of issues with law enforcement there?
2: You know, this year is the first year that I went, and there wasn't anything like that this year. Um, it was just, um, I actually got a little teared up when I arrived because I I grew up in Alabama where there was a lot of misogyny and, um, bigotry. And when I walked up and I just saw these women, a lot of them wearing see-through tops and just, just so happy and so lit up and they clearly felt safe. It just reminded me how far I'd come from growing up in a, a very misogynistic environment. And it was just, I just got touched and teared up. I mean, Basically, the energy there was just so beautiful. And you could just tell the women uh, just felt so safe. Mm-hmm. And and it was just very empowering. So you were asking me what Slept Walk is. Yeah, for
0: our listeners, like, what is it? Why is it important?
2: Uh, Slept Walk um, basically is a march. It's it's become more than a march, Um here in L.A., they are doing a convention with speakers and all of all these other added bonuses um, that happened on Saturday. And then the March was on Sunday. So the basically the whole idea behind it is definitely against any kind of uh, rape or molestation, basically advocating for consent, uh, sending out a message that a woman should be able to dress as provocatively as she wants. She should be able to walk down the street naked if she wants and feel safe. And also there's a message against slut shaming, you know, that um, if a woman is authentic sexually and open about who she is uh, as a sexual being, that should not be licensed for other people to shame her, call her a derogatory name. And And with that being said, they kind of take back word slut and redefine it as, you know, a, a, a woman who or a person, it doesn't even have to be a woman, a person, regardless of gender, who is sexually authentic and, and knows that being sexually true to yourself is actually healthy and good.
0: I'm happy seeing more and more slut walks popping up across the country. You know, unfortunately, like, like Ken said, here ours here in Chicago wasn't as positive as yours was in L.A.,
1: and it's it's interesting because this is the only year we haven't had any positivity going along with it, or at least there's been no year where there's been contradiction with law enforcement. And uh, I brought our daughters to Slot Walk. In fact, you didn't go the first year, yeah. Sonny, uh, and I brought our oldest daughter, and then the next year I brought our youngest daughter. So that they could see what it's about, so that they could be empowered as young women because we want to make sure that we empower them, encourage strength, encourage self-love and give them agency in whichever way that they need so that they can help define themselves. But exposing them to this and more than anything else, I wanted to expose them to activism to which they could connect as younger people. And I think that this was one of the things that did it. Now, it's interesting that ours here, I think it happened a little bit earlier than uh, like th- three weeks August. earlier. Yeah. I don't know if there's a direct connection to Amber Rose as much as there is Slut Walk overall.
2: Aunt Amber Rose got behind it and, and she's done a lot of things, including, as I mentioned, she's making a whole convention that happens on Saturday. Um, but she also asks for donations and contributions and I think that's part of the reason that she's able to make it a whole other level. Right. And sometimes people have, you know, and she has sponsors, etc. Um, I think some people you know take issue to the donations, etc. Um, but when you see how great the event is, it's clear that it's being put to good use. Right, right. So
0: what I wanna do is first of all, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. However, When we get back, I want to tap into some of your relationship therapist expertise because you have got some amazing nuggets of information that, you know, just having limited conversations with you, I was like, oh, the angel sang and light bulbs went off in my head. And I was like, oh, she's brilliant. So we're going to (laughs) get into some of that when we get back castle megastore once you see their sex toys you'll want more I have no idea if castle megastore actually has a theme song but I really dig castle megastore so that's my gift to you castle your very own theme song and you listeners get a gift too if you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code sunny that's s-u-n-n-y when you check out you will receive 20% off your order that's amazing castle megastore mega store when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water was the best orgasm ever hi i'm kate a sex journalist and sex blogger and i'm bex the sex educator and sex blogger and we host a podcast called the dildorks It's exactly what it sounds like. A show by and for sex nerds. It's dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. We get into the really vital questions, like, how do you ask out that cute stranger from Twitter? What's the best vibrator to use when you're stoned off your ass? And what does it mean to have a good blowjob dick? I mean, to be honest, we just, we talk a lot about blowjobs. Blowjobs are great. For all this and more, search the Dildorks on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts new episodes every wednesday full of sex nerdy goodness until next time folks get out there and live your sexy dorky life
2: bye
0: I know you're fancy, and I know you've been eyeing some of those luxury sex toys, haven't you, you frisky little fox? Well, I also know that you enjoy a good discount, don't you, dear? You now can get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, at luxury sex toy retailer Lalo.com with discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you heard me right. 20% off anything, your little heart. Or, well... <clears throat> other parts. Desire at L-E-L-O dot com using discount code S-U-N-N-Y. Yes, dear. You can thank me later. Okay. So again, listeners, we are talking with Kate Laurie. Now, I had kind of an epiphany because you are a relationship, marriage and family therapist and you specialize in kink and polyamory and lgbtq issues and you know sex workers and that sort of thing and that's really really hard to find you're in southern california so those who are in southern california are lucky to have you but let's say i'm looking for somebody like you and i live in i don't know kansas or hey chicago because that's where i live you kind of seem like the unicorn of therapists like Uh (laughs) not many people specialize in this
2: right um, you know, that, that's true, but honestly, it's changing every year. And just the amount of therapists right now, at least in LA, that are interns, meaning they're not quite licensed yet, that want to do the same thing that I'm doing and Hernando Chavez and Chris Donahue, et cetera. Um, it's, it's exponentially growing. So this issue that we have now, it's going to be different in every year. It gets better for sure. Thank
0: goodness. Now, is there a directory? Is there a place where people right now, if they're looking for somebody like you, but they're not in your area, where do they even start?
2: You know, I think maybe one of the best places is Tristan Terramino's open list. Mm-hmm. There's another one that I could met- uh, mention, but I'm not going to because I've heard mixed things about it. Mm. So, um, and it, it's bigger, but I've heard too many mixed things to mention it. Okay. So I would say th- say Tristan's uh, website is is a good one with her directory. Also, just asking friends within the non-monogamous or king community if you are part of that. If you are in Kansas and you're not part of community and there's no one who sex positive. I mean, you can always interview your therapist to, to kind of see where they're at, but it is rare even here in California still. So it may be that you really are having a tough time. One thing to keep in mind that although a therapist can't treat people outside of the state that they're licensed in, uh, sex educators can. So, you know, you can have, you know, if you're not dealing with something heavy like trauma, or, you know, heavier issues and you're just trying to figure out how to navigate opening up a relationship, you can go to some of the sex educators like, you know, like yourself or Reed Mahalco or Sandra Doherty, and they can do, they could probably do Skype sessions and things like that, you know, if you're in Kansas, even though they're in California.
0: Right, right. Yes. Yes. Shameless plug listeners. If you need some coaching about dipping your toes into the
2: world of kink or alt sexuality, talk to us right exactly um you know but but if it goes deeper if you know if you're a couple and you're trying to open up and you have a partner that you know is bipolar and not stable or you know if it's getting more complicated then you really need to go to a therapist
1: there is occasionally bouts of drama that go within the kink community and it's such a specialized sort of thing because everybody is very immersed into consent culture when you have major violations that are going on when a top for example violates a bottom and they're involved in bdsm and kink and there's like impact play and stuff do you handle stuff like mediations between either groups of people or individuals that are within the kink community that wouldn't feel comfortable going to just the -the run-of-the-mill psychologist
2: you know, when things like that have happened, you know, there's been a few very uh well known cases that have happened in LA. Like it, it just became public knowledge within the King community, certain consent violations. I'll have to say that I that's never happened. There hasn't been a couple where there was a huge consent violation where they decided to mediate through me. Usually more the opposite where I've gotten calls from, say, San Francisco where someone in the King community says, you know, I've been raped. There is a kink psychotherapist here, but they're in the community and I'm scared that somehow it'll get out. And that if people find out I was raped, that I'll be blamed and ostracized. Wow. That's, you know, and that's why I'm coming to you. Right. you know, so the chance that they would feel safe enough to even bring in their consent violator, um, you know, that's just not there. They don't, you know, they don't feel safe enough to do that. Um, they're usually coming, if somebody's been violated in that way, usually they're coming to me solo to do EMDR around it, um, try and find their center again and then figure out how to choose a DOM in a way that, um, they can have a corrective experience.
0: What is a corrective experience? Corrective
2: experience, like I'm going to step away from kink for a moment. And let's take a hypothetical situation. Um, we have a tendency, if you, if you read Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendrix, he talks about this, we have a tendency to choose partners that are reminiscent of some of the pain in our backstory. So let's imagine Sarah was beaten by her dad and then when she gets out of the house at 18 she marries bob who beats her too because she hasn't worked on herself you know but then she goes to california she gets some yoga and some emdr and she heals a little bit and she chooses scott and scott has some issues like dad but he's taking anger management classes etc and when he gets upset with her he says sarah i love you i'm mad at you i'm going to take a time out um i'll come back when i'm calm and then we'll finish this discussion so that's a corrective experience so a corrective experience is basically um, a situation where you've had past pain, like in the case of a, uh, you know, a dom that you feel has violated your consent. And then you find a new dom and he's he or she is kind and you, you know, say what your boundaries are and instead they are respectful of your boundaries and they're kind to you and you have an experience that is the way you wanted it to go down the first time
0: you're almost changing your taking an active role in changing your outcome kind of
2: yeah and that can be healing you know i mean it's it's one of those things where bdsm is so psychological and there's plenty of people in bdsm that have had a golden childhood but another example is like say a person has a sexual abuse history or 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 let's say let's not even go that deep let's say they have a fear of falling. And they find a dom that actually is very psychologically attuned and is able to kind of play with that. And actually, I've heard of examples of really psychologically adept doms helping their sub get over their fear of falling just by doing some play around that in a way that's very attuned. Um, That that can also be a corrective experience because your fear of falling probably came from something painful in your past.
1: It's funny, I've actually done that with subs before with that have had coulrophobia, and then we've done clown play together, and what I do, and I actually treat the submissives differently that have that innate fear to begin with, and I start by actually turning them into a clown and putting the makeup on so that they can address it by, like, looking through the mirror through their own eyes and seeing what gets applied, because the that particular fear stems from people having an inability to understand emotions when the face says something different, which is why that fear is so common. And it's a very fun thing to play with, especially if you're a psychological top like I am.
2: Right, right. And, and it sounds like you've had some really good results. And you just have to acknowledge that if you have a dom that's kind of narcissistic and self-absorbed and can't read people and just pushes through boundaries, he could do the exact same thing you did and really scar someone. So you really have to know yourself and and you know, in your case, and I I know you well. I I can imagine you probably really healed and helped a lot of people while doing something erotic and fun.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to note that and you brought up such a great point. You don't have to be a dick to be a dom. Like the the thing that you said was that you Uh, you know, might be seeking out a dom that is kind and nice. Those things are not mutually exclusive in any way, shape, or form. You can completely be sadistic, but have your intentions be to resolve something good physically, psychologically, emotionally, or intellectually with your submissive. And it doesn't, you know, because you need to care about that person and you need to know them and understand them in order to play with them, especially for psychology play or any kind of psychological edge play. You don't want to do pickup play or something like
2: that.
0: Right. And I know, like, for me, Ken and I are very much on the same page, and we're both dominant. And so sometimes we co-top together, and we very much, like, really get into the mindfuck. And the way I look at it is I use my evil for good you know i am right. always i'm always using this the sadistic sure i could be an asshole and i could be like the playground bully where i'm just making you feel like shit for my enjoyment but that's not what i do i'm making you feel like shit because it's going to have a good outcome and that's what you want if that makes sense
2: yeah well if if you think about um you know a lot of sex therapists um have said that we tend to eroticize what we're scared of. So that explains why a rape fantasy is one of the main top, I think top five fantasies for women because we're terrified of being raped. But when we play around with rape in a scene that's been negotiated by a but with a benevolent partner that can read us, we can, that can be so hot and it can be amazing, you know, or, or the guy who is scared of being disrespected by men in his life, but privately, he's a cuckold and he likes to have a bull come in and just totally fuck the hell out of his partner, right? Mm-hmm. And that's totally hot within the scene. Right. So, so it has a different meaning when it's within the scene. Right. You know?
0: Now, I think a lot of people listening, perhaps people that I think most of us, like you said, we have some sort of deep seated fantasy that falls into the realm of the quote-unquote fucked up. You know, whether it's kind of your seemingly average suburban dad who has the cuckold fantasy that maybe he's afraid to even tell his partner about or someone who has rape fantasies, that sort of thing. And they might be listening to this going like, oh, (laughs) maybe I'm not that abnormal. What? Like other people have this? Now this, it really is, like you said, it's relatively common How do you recommend a person who's having that er moment right now go about starting to talk to their partner about it, starting to shed the shame of that fantasy within themselves?
2: You know, I I always encourage people to, one, connect to community because, you know, and and connect to some people that can, you know, when I say connect to community, make some friends within the kink scene um, because that can be very normalizing. And as far as talking to a partner, you know, that really depends. You might have a very conservative partner or you may have a very open minded partner. Sometimes it's best to kind of test them out. Like, for instance, say you want to add some sensation play into your sex life. You want to get a, a you you're curious about learning how to flog or spank. You could say to your partner, so have you seen that episode of Sunny Megatron show on Showtime where they do the flogging thing. What'd you think of that? You know, um, or, you know, just reference something, or what do you think of some erotic novel that, that has some BDSM in it? Mm-hmm. And that way you can get a reaction and kind of have a lit, it's a little litmus test. See where your partner's at. If they react like, oh, those people are sick, then you have to ask yourself, how far do I want to go with this? Is this even the right partner for me? But if you have a partner that's like, yeah i'm I'm interested. I don't totally understand it. I don't know about it, but it I'm kind of curious. okay now now you have you're like okay she she or he is ready to have a discussion we can we can talk about this mm-hmm. and and you know slowly ease in i the thing that I would say is a lot of partners jump in too fast um if you're having a discussion like that and your partner's curious. Go to a sex toy store that has lectures on, you know, proper flogging or something like that, where your partner can see, oh, there's people teaching this. There's rules about it, about consent. It's, you know, like, like some women think, if I do this, I'll be putting the women's movement back to the 1950s or whatever. And they'll, they'll see that things like, oh, I can be a feminist and I can be into this at the same time. Right. Things like that that happen if you are slow and patient with a partner who's more scared.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I I have seen, you know, and this is kind of the the scenario that makes me it makes my heart hurt. It makes me a little sad when you see a couple, let's say they've been together for 25 years, and one partner in that couple has their own fantasies that they've hidden you know maybe they're a cross dresser maybe you know whatever it is so they go see a sex worker or they find ways outside of their primary relationship to get that satisfied because they know that partner just isn't into it or they've tried and the partner's been like that's sick i'm not you know so then said partner finds out about this going on. And suddenly that partner gets labeled with, with terms like you're a sex addict. You're, you know, there's something wrong with you. You need to go seek help. Now, is that a thing? Is sex addiction a thing?
2: Well, I'll say mostly no. Well, This is what I'll say. The DSM-5 does not have a diagnosis called sex addiction. The DSM-5 is the Bible of psychiatric diagnoses. It's what insurance companies use. It's what psychiatrists and any form of psychotherapists use um, to diagnose. Um, And it is not in the DSM-5. That's the first thing to say. The second thing is that there's a huge industry that definitely has, some of them have an agenda. They basically created a machine, whether you are, out of control to the extent that you're losing loved ones and your job, et cetera, because of your sexual behaviors and you're putting yourself and others in danger, or whether you just had an affair, there's organizations and clima- clinics that are called sex addiction clinics that will put you through the same system regardless, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, and And it definitely has a political and religious conservative agenda of, of sexual shame. Right. That's the second thing that I'll say. The, the third thing that I'll say is there are people that have sexual compulsive behaviors, you know, that, uh, basically might come to me and like say, uh, in the case of a woman who's finding a guy on Craigslist, meeting him at a hotel room without doing a chemistry check and just meeting him in that hotel room and having sex and doing that really frequently, maybe even just making eyes with a guy at a red light and then just driving to a hotel like that kind of thing is not just dangerous from an STD perspective. That's dangerous. Like, you, you know, you could be picking up a serial killer for all you know. Right. Right. So there are people that are doing behaviors like that all the time. And then the next morning they're cycling in shame about it because they know they're doing something that would hurt their spouse because, you know, maybe this isn't part of their relationship agreement and could hurt them. So that's, you know, that's more, uh, example of sexual compulsive behavior. And it's usually, so, so in that case, sexual compulsive behavior, um, usually is a symptom, not a diagnosis of something else, like depression or anxiety. Usually what I see is that sexual compulsive behavior is an outcropping of attachment injuries. And so what I mean by that is oftentimes the person that's the sexual compulsive when they were 13 years old and they were ignored by their parents or what have you, the kind of person that was decorating the Christmas tree by themselves or at high school graduation, the parents never showed up and they were left crying in the parking lot, that kind of thing. Uh They have sex for the first time at 13 and they're told how beautiful they are and they're held and they're hugged. And oh, by the way, they have great sex. And all of a sudden, all their needs are met in that situation. And so sex becomes their safe place. And so they have a tendency to build that up while not building their attachment in other areas. So sex addiction as a diagnosis is not a thing, but sometimes sexual compulsive behaviors that can be painful for the person in their life and their relationships can exist due to other, you know, a a larger diagnosis.
0: So that that makes sense. It seems to me then that it manifested in, you know, sex, but for somebody else, maybe it could manifest in, you know, a shopping, quote, unquote, addiction, or whatever made them feel the things they were missing. And in that one instance, it just happened to be sex.
2: Yeah, I mean, one thing that um, I was listening to one psychiatrist talk on why sex addiction is not a diagnosis in the DSM-5. And basically, he was saying, that usually the word addiction is applied to something like drug addiction or alcohol addiction, where if you don't go in the hospital to be assisted by nurses and doctors to stop your addiction, you might go into a seizure or you might have some detrimental right. physical response that that could be even life-threatening. Whereas if you just stop having sex, nothing bad happens to your body. <laughs> right? Speak for yourself. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) How
1: big of a problem is mismatched libido between couples?
2: That's a pretty big problem.
1: And how do you address that?
2: Uh, That's a toughie. Well, with non-monogamous couples, sometimes, you know, they have an open relationship where sometimes they play together, but then they have other lovers and it can balance out that way. I think, I think, um, honestly, one of, uh, a problem that's even more difficult than that is if you have two people that are both submissive in a specific way, which is that they both want the other to, to initiate. Ah. And that's their erotic pathway. Right. So they're
0: just kind of sitting waiting for the other one to make the call and nobody ever does.
2: Right. And I see that with vanilla couples too, because that instigation piece A lot of couples that don't even identify as kinky or into BDSM have that as part of their erotic pathway. Mm -hmm. And so when you have two people where that's just how they get started, it's feeling that they're so sexy that their partner just can't resist them, that kind of thing. And they both need that and want that. So oftentimes it just... So often those couples end up in sexless relationships.
0: Right. So then what what do you recommend? Because I've known, especially in the women that I've known, it seems to be that they have a, you know, it's hard for them to initiate or whatnot. So what would you recommend to somebody who has a hard time initiating that is also with a partner that has a hard time initiating? If they want to start breaking that cycle, what are some things that you would recommend that they do to kind of get over the mental hurdle of, let me just open my mouth and let the words come out? that it's sexy time.
2: So I, I think it can depend on the person. I mean, certainly like if you have a woman that loves to wear sexy lingerie or latex or leather or, you know, corsets, et cetera, simply putting on an outfit like that could be a green light where she's not actually throwing her guy down, but she's walking to, into a space in a super sexy outfit. Another way to go about it is actually to, you know, if you schedule a date night with each other, um just like Marty Klein says, you know, because a lot of couples, when they hear that, they they go, oh, well, there's no spontaneity in scheduled time. But like what Marty Klein says is the spontaneity happens within the date, right? Yeah. And so you schedule this, you know, block of time, like four hours or whatever, to be sensual or or just have time together, and maybe you give each other a body massage or you take a shower together. And things just naturally ramp up like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if you do an activity that allows the body to get into the parasympathetic nervous system, a place of calm, like a shower of body massage, things nat- the person's anxiety melts away. And then they're able to transition into ramping things up.
0: Right, right. Now I'm like, hmm, thinking of all the things. Because I know for me, like, spontaneity is kind of a killer for me. Because it's like, if I'm not in the headspace, or I'm like, oh, I really want to take a shower first, or oh, I was planning on doing this other stuff tonight. Scheduling dates for me is just makes life so much easier. It like manages my expectations. So Yes, listeners out there, it's not, not sexy. Not, not sexy to schedule. Wait, am <laughs> I doing that right? too many knots. It is sexy to schedule. I'll say it that way. So we're, we're actually at the end of our time and this blew by so quickly. I could probably talk to you for four hours and pick your brain at all the things. But if other people are like that, Kate chick was awesome and I want it. I want more. Where can they find you?
2: Uh, I'm at, uh, L-O-R-E-E. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me in all of those places. Uh, My private practice is in Encino, California. So those are a few ways to reach me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time out and spending it with us. Yeah, thank and Kate,
1: you. As as always, it's lovely to hear your voice, and like like we miss you, and we want like next time we're in LA, we definitely want to see you in person.
2: Yeah, let's let's go out. Let's let's get some drinks, get some lunch. That sounds wonderful. That sounds Yay! really good. Yay! <laughs> awesome. Well,
0: thank you, and bye. Okay, bye.